0: Welcome to Catholics Across the Isle, the podcast of the Florida Conference of Catholic Bishops, offering commentary on public policy and civic life. This is Michael Sheedy, Executive Director of the Conference.
1: Um, We didn't know that in 2007, she had been arrested for... uh, public intoxication. And while she was in a, in a car patrol, it's a video of her confessing of the crime and uh, telling a police officer that when she it out, he gonna murder him too, she gonna murder him too. A really chilling thing to do, but it wasn't disclosed to us by the state attorney. Uh, so her best friend, uh, called Nikki came forward to the state attorney in 2013 and say, my best friend just confessed to me that she killed her mother and her grandmother. Um, I asked her what she did, and she said I hurt them. And the state attorney, office, because I really don't know who she talked to, told her to come back home, that they already got the perpetrator. And she said, no, you don't. You don't understand. She meant it. She tell the truth. She really did this. You got the wrong man. They told her to come back home. So she was crying at home when her husband made it there. And he asked her what was happening. And she explained to him what went down that day. And they're going to kill this innocent man for nothing. He hasn't done anything. He said, Well, talk to his attorneys. And if they don't do anything about it, hey, you did everything you could. You know? Um, she talked to my attorney said, Imagine that is like a, you file a, a gold bar or something. And my attorney say, Will you sign this affidavit and we will videotape you? Will you okay with that? Because in Florida, it's two party consent. If you're going to videotape somebody, you have to let them know. So we did that and we asked for an evidentiary hearing, and it was given to me. We found out about more confession to more people. People came coming forward. So they start developing this theory of, okay, she is crazy, because she been a baker act over 60 times before I met her. She already threatened her mother and grandmother to kill them. She already been physical with them. Um, They pull each other hair, but when she's, when we ask her, is that physical to you? She say, no, pulling hair is not physical. I will believe putting your hands on somebody, period, is physical. Um, so we went from there and I was denied a new trial. Uh, more people came, another three people came forward a mother and two daughters. Uh, Samantha confessed to me and we wanted to make notice. We asked for another evidential hearing. This time I was denied by this, uh, by the judge, uh, Jessica Dredziller in Seminole County. So we we came to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, "Yeah, you you, you deserve an evidentiary hearing." And Ching got no choice but to hear it. it still, deny me. Um, 2015 and 67 pages uh, opinion. Then in 2016, before we put before uh, before we had the other argument in front of the Supreme Court, Chi was actually trying to gain a better job and the 50 CA or Court of Appeals here in Florida using my case over She bragged how one of her best rulings is not giving me a new trial. And in the state of Florida, and it's in a statute, they say no judge is allowed to talk about ongoing case, period. She was asked, have you had any encounter with uh, police uh, uh, deputies in any kind of way, any ticket, anything? And she said no that morning she was pulled over by a trooper and gave three tickets because she was driving 110 miles an hour and a 70 mile speed limit so she was 40 or 30 something miles over the limit um, and this happened just that morning that she's talking to these people and she's telling them she lied to them mm-hmm. so she was calling from the supreme court and was call, uh, they reprimanded her for lying and for just in my case and whatnot.
0: So she is off your case finally.
1: Oh, no, no, no in that moment. No. No in that moment. So we coming from the Supreme Court for other arguments and they usually take like 22 or twenty two months or over two years to decide on a case. Even if it's negative or positive, the ruling will come out that, that far away. Might took six months and 20 days. And I won unanimously, 7 zero say, mm-hmm. no longer Aguirre is the creepy figure co- coming in the middle of the night. He is the scapegoat of her crimes, referring to Samantha Williams. Mm-hmm. I won a new trial October 27th, 2016, but they took me out of that role December 9, 2016. We find out later on, in January, that Jessica Rexfield, my judge at that moment in time, lost her qualifications to be a death penalty judge. For you to be a death penalty judge, you have to have courses every year to renew your qualification. She lost them. So what she did was she put another judge to preside over a docking hearing for me, and she went and get the qualifications so she can preside over Judge my case. It was this thing of her against me that I don't understand. Why was the reason what motivated her? I don't know. Uh, in February, I went to trial, and I was in the middle of jury selection. Remember when I got in prison or when I when I was arrested? What they had was the flip phone. They didn't have ice uh, iPhone or Galaxy or none of that stuff. The smartphone or whatnot. So you cannot Google people back then, I don't, I don't think. And now these people, when they hear the crime happened in 2004 and we already in 2018, they're like, I don't want them to think that I'm running away and I, I was running away and they just, but they cannot know I was incarcerated or this crime. So what they did was they went to their phone and they Google my name because it's a cheat, give it to them. They Google my name and they read all about it. We find that out because a guy came in there and say, why we tried him for? He was already convicted of this. Let's kill him and have that money for firefighters and schools. I don't think he he read everything that was uh, published <clears throat> because if he was, he would have known that the reason I was coming back is because DNA evidence, new discovery evidence, and confession. So I have a mistrial. And she was telling the jury that I confess of the crime, which is not true, Never I, I never did that. That I plead guilty, which I never did that either. If I plead guilty, I wouldn't have the death penalty. So, <clears throat> My lawyers asked her to recuse herself. First she denied, and eventually she did.
0: How... W- at what point, and how did she get to do that, even to say those things? I don't even... I can't imagine, but... it's You don't have to say
1: but. Well, I I just have a really strong opinion about this kid, because the law protects them. Judges and the state attorneys have 100% immunity in this state. So they actually... Even they won't admit it. They can do whatever they want. It ain't no gonna be a repercussion for anything they do. No, even a loss of their job.
0: So you have to have a new trial.
1: Yes, sir. So new evidence came out in this period of time between February and October. The alibi of the perpetrator that we know now, um, who was the boyfriend back then to her, married this other lady, and she came forward and said, my husband told me that she crawled out of the window in the middle of the night, saying that she had a bad feeling about her mother and grandmother, and you never heard that, it was always established that she stayed home with him all night long, even though back then he couldn't answer what clothes she was wearing. Oh, where they went after they left her mother's house, nothing like that. Um, and uh, he, the man got arrested on some fluid and alluding charges. And we have over three, well, we, we listened to over 200 phone calls in jail that he did to his wife, to his mother, and to trying to call the state attorney. He was offered a deal to testify against me he say he should be a car salesman because he can lie so good that he can make anybody believe whatever he say. He say he going to shine like a star and going to make sure they put a juice server right here back on their road because, oh, my God, if I get out, that will cost the state of Florida millions of dollars. He didn't know what the laws are and how hard it is for somebody who's been wrongly convicted to get compensated. So he used to it was automatic or, or whatever, uh, which is not the case. <laughs> but
0: that might be a much better thing. <laughs> yes, yes.
1: But uh, we got all those phone calls, and uh, you know, I know he do phone calls, and I know they listen to my phone calls too, because it's what they do, right? Everything and anything will be used against you, is what they say. So I talked to my lawyer and I say we should listen to his. I had nothing to do. It's a computer here, I can listen to it. But they decided to send it to Alabama, to a law firm that was helping me. And oh my God, what we found. All these things. The ones I told you, it's just phone, phone, four phone calls. It, the other ones, uh, the language is not too clean. It's very dirty. But he was, um, they say in the state attorney wrote in a paper, I stick with this statement. Because he testified so many times They have so many inconsistencies. The truth is the truth. You won't have inconsistencies on the truth because you will remember the truth forever as long as you live. He got so many different statements, so the state attorney say, stick with this, stick with that. When my lawyer asked in open court who the handwriting was, the state attorney admitted, it's me. So the judge started telling him, you treat him like he's your client. He's a witness. He need to testify. You don't treat him like a client. You don't represent him. And the state attorney say, I just told him to keep his mouth shut and stick with that. Yeah, you're advising him. You ain't supposed to do that. That's against the law. So no, your honor, I was advising I wasn't advising him. I just told him, told him. So it's like an order. Right, because you're giving him a deal. You want him to say whatever you want him to say. Not the truth. The truth didn't matter in that moment. Mm-hmm. It's just to keep the conviction as it was. Wow. <laughs>
0: so, eventually, eventually... You got to court again, and you were gonna be exonerated at the end of the road. Here, I gotta talk louder. <clears throat> but so, uh, how did all that unfold? So that guy was discredited as a witness, and and I guess what what
1: happened next? To well, we bring him to court and play all the phone calls that we thought matter. Uh, Mary Samos Um uh, ask him questions which he will deny and she will play a phone call. So the state attorney uh <laughs> it's, it's kinda of funny and it's not but the state attorney will object and say you bullying him is too much, stop it. And the judge say, Well the problem here is every time she asks him a question, he denied and she plays a phone calling is something very different to the truth of what he's saying there. Mm-hmm. Um We have a deposition of Samantha Williams, too.
0: That's right. That is the daughter and granddaughter of the victims.
1: The one we believe is the real perpetrator of this crime. I never see something like this in my life. She say once upon a time in in the deposition, I might have done this, block it out, and don't remember. Few minutes later, she trying to play it out like, uh, no, I didn't do this. But my lawyer said, you just told me a minute ago that you might have done this. I got it in videotape, I got it the, the, the court record, I got it in transcript, and we have our own videotape, videotaping you. My lawyer also has uh, her hand to be taking a photo of. And this was really crucial and important because apparently when she was young, she cut her finger with a knife and her finger bent like this. It don't get up. So one of the victims, Cherry Williams, have you know, they don't go to this eye for everybody almost. Mm-hmm. So these three fingers are with blood in her, like somebody grabbed her and have blood in her hands and um, pull it down. When they take the measurement from her fingertips to the nails, from each of the three fingers, the little one don't appear, and the three is a perfect match of her fingers. When my lawyer discovered that evidence, the first thing he, he asked me was like, show me your hands, show me your hands. And I'm like, what, what do I do? <laughs> and, Tell me that your fingers yeah. are okay. And he like, they took rounded. So he w- he was trying to make sure it's a male or female mm-hmm. finger. And he'll he like, no, you are too rounded, these are pointy. Who got pointy fingers, females do. Mm-hmm. You know, the way they use their fingernails or whatever. Mm-hmm. So when I, he did a measurement, he was like, I know I was right, she did it. Um, November 5th, 2018, I come in court and the state attorney say, we are not going to persecute it. We are going to drop the charges. And I was...
0: So... Static. So between that moment and then the Florida Supreme Court saying you need to look at this again, how long, how much time elapsed that they held you for trial
1: again? It was uh, two years and eight days. around there. Mm -hmm. that they hold me.
0: And that affected your ability to apply for compensation later, correct?
1: (laughs) Yeah, because they have this kind of law where you're supposed to file a compensation relief in 90 days after your conviction and sentence been vacated. Uh, So I was supposed to, according to them, do it after November, October 27, 2016, from there count 90 days, it will be January 15 around there. The problem with that is the statute also say that if you are a suspect of this crime or they trial you for, you are not allowed to ask for compensation because you will be denied. So they trial in me for. They're taking me to trial. How can I ask for compensation f- for a crime or, or, yes, for a crime that they going to take me to trial to or for? Mm-hmm. It, it made no sense to me. I know I'm going to be denied. That's why we didn't do it. Right. So we did it 60-something days after I was exonerated, and they told me I was out of time. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, what, is, what has life been like since then? So The world has changed. As you said, you went from flip phones to iPhones, and... You know, cars that you can talk over the phone into the air. With
1: uh, that was crazy to me. I see a car parking itself. And like what? You know, I like. Yeah. You know, you hear these things, but see them is different. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, I the, soon I get out. I, they they give me a, a FaceTime phone call with my lawyer's son. That he has sent me many pictures and letters to prison. And I'm looking at him and he started smiling and I'm like, hi. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it, you know. But life has been hard based upon, I am not allowed to work because my immigration status. Um, therefore, I have no right of uh, driver's license, so I can drive. Uh, I don't have the right to a simple state ID. So I can identify myself. As at the beginning, I was going. Uh, when I was going out, I will go with a newspaper. They have Dero uh, email uh, been uh, exonerated. His name Clemente Aguirre. So my photo will be there. And I'm like, if any police stop me by, I will say, look, I'm been exonerated, and you can search me or whatever. Eventually, I was able to go to the uh, consul of my country and have my passport and a, a matricula consular. They have my photo ID and my address and everything. But, you know, like I say, it, they make it really hard because I don't have immigration court. I don't know when I'm going. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. I live in a limbo. Of, am I going to allowed to stay in the country? Or are you going to kick me out? I was denied compensation. And even beyond all of that, I'm so grateful and happy that I'm a free man and I am allowed to eat at least whatever I want, whenever I want, go to sleep whenever I want to. I don't need nobody to, or have nobody to tell me do this or do that. I'm a twenty nine year old man, it stopped 15 years ago, I guess, but um, I li- I see life and live life in a better way. I, I believe that God got very, Um, important things for me to do. I have become this uh, advocate against the death penalty. Um, I believe as wrong as 29 exonerations in this state, we lead the country. And if this don't bother you, there's been 29 wrongdoings to people. Uh, And we don't know how many more in there. What else will bother you? I mean, life is precious, right? We fight for life. You trying to take somebody' ultimate prize, ultimate gift, life, as he knew it, and you got it wrong that many times. Well, I would say one is a mistake. 29 to me is a blood loss. So this is why I come to Tallahassee to talk to senators. I want them to see that I don't, I don't want I don't want to make some kind of preaching stuff to them, but I want them to see with open eyes and open mind. that if we got it wrong so many times, maybe we're gonna keep on doing it. So maybe we see, we just stop this. People will have life to live, a study, and trying to come back if they got it wrong. Yeah. But it won't be that anguish in your mind and in your heart that they're gonna take your life someday for something you didn't do.
0: Well, Clemente, thank you for persevering. Uh, your story is very inspiring, you know, and, and I think you're right. You have a future, there is a purpose, and you are doing a wonderful job of just recounting the events, providing some really helpful analysis to the problems we're facing, and offering a better alternative. Thank you for being a witness to innocence, to, to the truth, and to the good. Thank you, Clemente.
1: Thank you.